0: Today, on Monday, a public inquiry into foreign interference begins. And how we got here comes down to reporting from the Globe's Robert Fife and Stephen Chase.
1: We have to go back to February 2023. That's when the Globe and Mail, uh, myself and Robert Fife, uh, first broke a story.
0: The story Steve is talking about is based on secret CSIS documents that reveal a strategy by the Chinese government to influence Canada's 2021 election the story fired up a national debate on foreign interference in Canada. But that was only the beginning. And it wasn't just potential influence in Canadian politics, but also Canadian academia and business.
1: I can just read you some of the headlines going forward from there. Uh, CSIS documents detail how China targets Canadian politicians, business leaders. Canadian military found Chinese uh, monitoring buoys in the Arctic. CSIS documents shows China warned its Canadian friends to be wary of foreign interference investigations. Finance Minister Christopher Freeland warned bank founders about the risk of Chinese coercion. CSIS uncovered Chinese plan to donate to the Pierre Elliott Trudeau Foundation. So this was a a real, almost a a fire hose of information that we we laid out over several months. And this, of course, led to uh, calls for an inquiry into the matter and how Canada was dealing with this or if it was in fact failing to deal with this adequately.
0: Opposition parties called for a public inquiry, but Prime Minister Trudeau resisted.
1: He instead decided to tap former Governor General David Johnson to conduct sort of a a mini probe, sort of a a couple of months look around on it. And he announced that in March, 2023. And this was to be uh, coupled with a, a series of closed door investigations by a number of review agencies
0: but it wasn't exactly smooth sailing.
1: Mr. Johnson became bogged down, at least in the public mind and in the mind of the opposition parties because of a, a bunch of baggage. Uh, first of all, he was a family friend of the Trudeaus. They had adjacent cottages in the Laurentians.
0: On top of that, the person Johnson appointed to oversee the probe had attended a Liberal Party fundraiser and donated exclusively to the party.
1: And then we found out that Mr. Johnston had hired Navigator, a crisis communications firm, to help him.
0: And this was the same firm that was working for an MP fighting accusations of having close ties with China.
1: It was only shortly after that last episode, after Navigator resigned as the firm, that in fact Mr. Johnson decided to call it quits.
0: In June, David Johnson resigned.
1: But before he did, he did issue one report in May 2023, uh, a public report that said that he could find no evidence that Mr. Trudeau had ignored warnings about Chinese interference.
0: The calls for a public inquiry only grew louder.
1: In early September, the government uh, announced that they had reached agreement with the opposition parties and they had appointed a Quebec judge. So that was the first indication that we were on the road to a public inquiry.
0: And this week, that inquiry is finally starting. Today, we're going to talk to Steve about what we're expecting during the inquiry, the questions around some of the people involved, and what the public could learn and might not learn from the proceedings. I'm Maynika Raman-Wilms, and this is The Decibel from The Globe and Mail. Steve, thanks so much for being here.
1: Glad to be here.
0: So, Steve, the inquiry itself begins today on Monday. Can you just remind us, Steve, what is a public inquiry and what is the purpose of this one specifically?
1: Well, this public inquiry uh, was set up to look at foreign interference in Canadian politics. However, it has a very uh, circumscribed mandate. It's only looking at foreign interference in the 2019 and 2021 elections its job is to look at that issue, see how bad it was, see if the government of the day, the liberal government, uh, handled this properly. And then in a the second part of the inquiry, its job is to come up with measures that could fix the system, make it easier for a candidate to fend off foreign interference or to prevent foreign interference. Hmm.
0: Okay. So this is a very, in in a sense, a very narrow mandate. Then We're just looking at two election periods in 2019 and 2021. That's it then.
1: Yes, it is. um, It doesn't look at interference in academia or in the business community or in other levels of politics, you know, provincial politics. And and in fact, that was one of the shortcomings that's been identified uh, of this commission that it has been circumscribed so tightly that there's a lot of Chinese foreign interference, which is not going to be captured here. CSIS has publicly warned that China is the foremost aggressor in this space. No other country comes close.
0: Uh, But this inquiry isn't just looking exclusively at Chinese interference, is it?
1: No. The way the mandate was written, it talked about China and Russia, and the commission just put out a call for any evidence related to Indian interference in our political system. And of course, this is very interesting because it was only a few months ago that Mr. Trudeau uh, sparked a major diplomatic rupture with India, uh, by accusing them of being behind the assassination of a Canadian.
0: Yeah. Is there a thought that India could have interfered as as well in, in those narrow timeframes during those elections?
1: We don't have a lot of solid evidence or even you know national security data to suggest that. Our sense of India is that it tends to be primarily concerned with the activities of uh, a subsection of the Sikh population in Canada who call themselves Khalistanis and want this independent state in Northern India. And India's interference and its meddling in Canada is largely related to that. Uh, where it intersects with, with, with politics is another question. Is it getting involved in nomination races? Is it getting involved in leadership races? We don't have a lot of solid information on that. And that's certainly not something that CSIS has been warning about. CSIS's main concern is, is China and to a lesser extent, Russia and Iran.
0: So, so leading this inquiry, Steve, is a commissioner uh, appointed by the government to do this job. What do we know about her?
1: Well, Marie-Josée Hogue is a uh, Quebec Court of Appeal Justice, and she was actually appointed to that job back in 2015 under the Harper government. She does not have or appear to have any background in national security issues. Her main areas of practice as a lawyer were corporate commercial litigation, civil litigation, and liability issues.
0: Do we know how she was picked to, to lead the inquiry?
1: We don't have 100% transparency on this. There was uh, negotiations with opposition parties in which they bandied back and forth names that had come to them and they had to reach a consensus on them. And I'm I'm presuming that they reached a consensus on her.
0: Okay. And of course, this inquiry has a lot to do with the national security, Steve. Really, really sensitive subject matter here. But this is a public inquiry. So can you just tell us what kind of challenges might that present?
1: This inquiry is looking at evidence which uh, is classified and in some cases is is not classified for public release. So there's going to have to be testimony and hearings behind closed doors Uh, not accessible to the media or to the public. And it's not the first time we've had this. Uh, There's a couple of other inquiries, one dealing with Mayor Arar, the citizen who was renditioned uh, to the Middle East uh, against his will. And of course, the Air India bombing when when that flight was brought down with all those Canadians on board, an act of terrorism. So there is a history of dealing with these. It's going to mean that, some days we're not going to be allowed in. We're not going to be allowed to hear what people are saying. And that's going to have to be contained in a confidential report, anything to do with that, unless it's decided that they will make public these these details at a later point.
0: So we've got the commissioner, Justice Hogue, but Justice Hogue isn't the only player in this inquiry, is she, Steve?
1: No, there are, in fact, two other groups of people here. These are people who have applied to provide evidence or to play a role in the inquiry. And there's two classes. A number of people or organizations have been granted what's called party standing or full standing. That gives them the ability to uh, cross-examine witnesses and gain access to evidence, even evidence that's presented outside of the hearings, evidence that's submitted separately to, to the commission. There is another class of people who have what's called intervener status. That means they can present evidence and suggest witnesses, but don't have powers to go beyond that. So really the most powerful class is the those who have party standing. And then the second class of people are those who have intervener standing. Hmm. And that's where the controversies arisen. Because uh, the Conservative Party, for instance, which has it's been demonstrated in newspaper articles by The Globe and Mail, for instance, that it was a, a target of the Chinese state, it asked for full standing for party standing and was denied that. And meanwhile, there was party standing given to a number of politicians, uh, which has produced controversy.
0: What was the reasoning from the commissioner to, to not allow full standing to the opposition parties?
1: She said that political parties have other venues to address their concerns about foreign interference. She said they could have hearings at parliamentary committees in the House of Commons, so they don't need full standing at the commission of inquiry. Mm.
0: And that is different than the Liberal Party, though, of course, who, who does have full standing party standing there.
1: Well, it's not the Liberal Party so much as it's the government mm. of the day. The government has full standing which will be represented by ministers, who, of course, are liberal partisans, as well as other civil servants. And the conservative argument, the argument from the conservatives is you're effectively giving the liberals full standing. Uh, And they they make no distinction um, between the party in power and the permanent government. However, Justice Hogue does. She says, no, I gave standing to the government, uh, not the party, not the liberal party. Hmm.
0: And Steve, when it comes to individuals as well, you said there was also some questions about who was given full standing, that status, and and who wasn't. Uh, Can you talk about that?
1: There are a number of politicians, Canadian politicians, uh, a couple of them who have been given party standing, as well as one has been given intervener status. And these particular assignments have raised concern among a coalition of dissident groups, groups who who frequently criticize the Chinese government. They represent uh, Chinese-Canadian dissidents, Hong Kong dissidents, Taiwanese dissidents, Uyghurs, many groups that have been the foremost target of harassment and bullying by the Chinese government, even in Canada. And they're concerned about three people. Uh, Michael Chan, who's currently the deputy mayor of, of Markham, Ontario, but was a former provincial politician mm-hmm. in the Ontario government. And they're concerned about him because they allege that Mr. Chan has uh, possible links to and support for the, uh, the the Chinese Communist Party, and has been, in their words, an agent uh, of China. They're also concerned about Han Dong, who's been given party standing. Mr. Dong is a former liberal MP, now he's an independent MP, who quit the uh, liberal caucus uh, last spring After a series of articles in Global News, which alleged that he, in fact, had counseled the Chinese government not to release the two Michaels, Michael Kovrig and Michael Spavor, not to release them right away because it might benefit the opposition Conservative Party. This is a story written by uh, Global News. Uh, Mr. Dong has since uh, launched a a lawsuit against them. Mm and is seeking to clear his name. So Mr. Dong has party standing, which means he can cross-examine witnesses. He has access to all evidence that's presented, even evidence that's presented outside of the hearings. Same goes for Mr. Chan.
0: And of course, we should just say that Michael Chan says he's loyal to Canada and accuses CSIS of tarnishing his reputation. Uh, And Handong denies any wrongdoing, and, and the allegation was deemed false by David Johnston.
1: Correct. And there's a third individual, Senator Yin Pao Wu, who is uh, not been granted party standing, but has been granted intervener status. These three people have become a concern for a group that's calling itself the Human Rights Coalition. They say that the fact that powers have been given to these men will intimidate and discourage them from testifying because they do not want to be cross-examined by people that they allege are, you know, agents of the government of China. Again, this is their words, not ours.
0: So that is the concern from, from human rights groups essentially there.
1: Yeah. And and Justice Hogue has said that uh, she thinks that Mr. Dong and Mr. Chan should be given an opportunity to clear their name through these hearings. And that's helped justify what she gave them those powers. But further, these dissident groups, they're even concerned about participating at all in the process. In fact, they're threatening to boycott There isn't a means for people to provide confidential information to the commission. Let's say you've been a target of harassment by the Chinese government and you want to provide Justice Hogue with this information confidentially. There's a way to provide that. There's a specific mechanism they set up. But guess what? When I ask the commission, will all the parties, all the people who have party standing have access to this confidential information? The commission won't answer the question.
0: We'll be back in a moment. Steve, I also want to ask you about, about two other individuals, um, Michael Chong and and Jenny Kwan. So they're conservative foreign affairs critic, Michael Chong, and NDP MP Jenny Kwan. Uh, can you just remind us who are they and what is their role in these proceedings?
1: Michael Chong and Jenny Kwan both have the distinction of being um, warned by CSIS that they're being targeted by China. And that is because of their roles. Uh, she's an immigration critic. He is the foreign affairs critic. Their conduct in sort of criticizing China's human rights abuses. Of course, there's been a tremendous controversy about China's human rights conduct over the last few years, its repression of Uyghurs in Xinjiang. And of course, it's crackdown, basically destroying Hong Kong civil society, uh, d- getting rid of its opposition, uh, destroying its its free press, and so on. Both these MPs have spoken out a lot about this. Uh, it, in fact, I would argue one of the most important stories in this entire affair was, of course, our May 1st story, where we revealed that CISAS had warned the government Michael Chong was being targeted by the Chinese government. He and his relatives were being targeted. They were looking for leverage against him because of the role he played in a momentous a parliamentary motion that was passed in February 2021, which declared uh, China's conduct in Xinjiang, its incarceration of, you know, up the hundreds of thousands of Uyghurs. And it's also forcing them into, into slavery, essentially to force labor to be constitute genocide. After that, the Chinese government was so incensed, they began to look at ways to target him and get leverage over him. We broke this story May 1st. Mr. Chong had not been told about it. Mm. It was an extraordinary revelation. It led to an extraordinary scene in Ottawa where Trudeau... Prime Minister brokered a meeting between CSIS Director David Vigneault and National Security Director Jody Thomas, where they basically finally spilled the beans for Mr. Chong, who was furious at not being told about this two years ago. And of course, we had identified in a story that Joe Wei, Chinese diplomat Joe Wei, had been involved in this. Within a week, the government had expelled Joe Wei, the first time Canada had expelled the Chinese diplomats in decades. Hmm. After that, CSIS also came forward and began to identify people who had been, in fact, targeted by... China, because the government had resolved that from now on, they would make sure that every time CSIS warns something, that the MPs would be warned. So Jenny Kwan is an immigration clinic. She's actually from Hong Kong originally. Uh, She spoke out and and took all kinds of measures to help Hong Kongers. We're fleeing the oppression there. She has been identified as a um, a target of China and will continue to be. And they have both been granted party standing, full standing at this this inquiry, Mm -hmm. which means that they can... Uh, not only present evidence and suggest witnesses, but they can in fact cross examine witnesses and gain access to any evidence, including whatever is presented outside the hearings
0: hmm. so is it because that they were targeted by by China allegedly targeted by China that they were given that they're given party standing here? Is that why correct, okay. Um, I, I guess I, I'm just wondering, when we're looking at the big picture here, Steve, if the point of a public inquiry is to get things out in the open for the public to understand, it, it seems like a lot of these things are not going to come out. Like, and, and some people have more access than others. Like, is this actually going to, to get to the point of having a public inquiry?
1: Well, I think it, part of the answer is you're going to have to trust Justice Hogue. And that's why parties had pushed for an independent justice she is not a friend of the Trudeau family she's not part of the Trudeau foundation she doesn't have counsel that have been donating to the Trudeau foundation she hasn't hired a crisis communication firm that's helping somebody accused of Chinese interference so no you're going to have to trust her
0: and ultimately Steve by the end of this whole process which will take a while should we expect a ruling a judgment what could we expect at the end of this
1: The first part of the inquiry is called the fact-finding phase, and that's where there's going to be investigation. The second part of the inquiry is to come up with ideas, uh, which will be put into a final report on what Canada can do to protect itself. And, of course, these ideas are already circulating. People are already making these suggestions. There's a, a healthy debate on that that's been taking place really for the last year.
0: From the reporting you've done, the people you've talked to, uh, is there hope that this public inquiry will actually help in the end strengthen Canadian elections in the future going forward? Is this going to is this going to be a help to us?
1: I think it remains to be seen. Um, it remains to be seen whether the inquiry is too tightly circumscribed. It's focusing really on just a couple of election periods and ignoring everything that takes place outside of the election period. Uh, secondly, there is a concern uh, that. Justice Ho will not have access to adequate national security documents, cabinet documents to help her unveil the true extent of the problem. It's uh, it's something that people haven't heard a lot about, but I think it's going to come out more in the days ahead that, you know, her the terms of reference really just spell out that she only has access to the same documents that David Johnson had access to. Hmm. And that's a concern.
0: So the concern is she might even not have the full picture then.
1: David Johnson told us, uh, at one point in the process, he admitted he he had incomplete information. He said that there's an ocean of information, and I looked at it just simply a big lake. He said he acknowledged there was things he could have looked at and he, and he didn't look at.
0: Hmm. So, Steve, the inquiry is set to begin today, Monday. What are we watching for this week?
1: Well, this week is sort of almost like an intro to the hearings. It's going to start off with the scene setter. Uh, we're going to talk about balancing national security and the public interest, meaning the difficulties of uh, how we conduct a, a hearing uh, based on national security evidence that's sometimes classified in secret, uh, at the same time trying to assure the public or, or that this has been properly investigated. There, we're going to start to hear from people who, again, sort of set the scene on what's coming. Former CSIS director Dick Fadden, for instance. And finally, on the fourth day of these hearings, we're going to start to hear from some of the players. We're going to hear from David Vigneault, the director of the Canadian Security Intelligence Agency, as well as people from the Communications Security Establishment and the Privy Council Office. So it's kind of a a little bit of an appetizer. The hearings in detail do not begin until March. Hmm.
0: Steve, thank you so much for taking the time to go through this today. You're welcome. That's it for today. I'm Manica Raman Wilms. Our producers are Madeline White, Cheryl Sutherland, and Rachel Levy McLaughlin. David Crosby edits the show. Adrian Chung is our senior producer, and Angela Pacenza is our executive editor. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.